Pints and Bites Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. Tights and Bites Podcast. Tights and Bites. You think this is a podcast you can produce, Julian? Because the hosts are ready to roll. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. You figure out that reference from before. I think you can do it. I'm the Halossal Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow member of the Nation of Conversation, Kelky Two Books, Lindsay Kelk. Hello. I like that one. That's really I've good. Written, I've written more than one book. It works. Is that new? <laughs> I think it's new. New enough to me. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, the name. I feel like I've heard that name before, but I love it. Maybe that's why let's, it's so let's good. Let's all decide to believe it's brand new and Julian's brain hasn't imploded. I loved it. I love this new this name. Is, this is actually episode one of Tights and Fights. Welcome. Great now. <laughs> well, Seth Rollins turned on the shield. We're also joined today by Darren Ataxon Jackson. Good to have you back, Darren. Yay, thanks for having me once again. The last time we had you on was in 2019, which was apparently, according to calendars, only two years ago. You were a production attorney for WWE Films, and you recently, you've left. What, what's the situation with you and WWE Films? Because you, you tendered your resignation, correct? Yeah, so it really feels like the highest of the century, if I'm totally honest. Like, was, this zoomed us all the way back to 2011 Money in the Bank. Like I had been fielding <laughs> offers because uh, without getting into like throwing shade already, WWE in general tends to like to milk people. And it's the whole old Paul Heyman philosophy. Like you get up, you get people riled up, you get them to be part, part of the team. You make them want to give their blood and their life for the company. And, you know, it worked. I'm a, I'm a lifer. But, you know, I got kids. I got kids. Uh, <laughs> and they, the company pays the, what, the bare minimum. I'm not, I wasn't hurting at all. We were all fine. We were eating. There were clothes and food and pets and stuff like that. But like my worth in Hollywood was a bit higher than what they were willing to give and willing to do. So I was fielding offers. Some stuff happened, some machinations. I made some people who are friends who don't hate me after leaving them. And they connected me with Village Roadshow. Um, oh. Three month interview process. And I got an offer for the job, which I accepted about two weeks ago. And my coworkers all knew about it. We had a whole big Zoom call announcing it because that's how our meetings happen now is on zoom calls every couple weeks yeah. um i happened to be wearing a cm punk shirt when i made the announcement um <laughs> and then all of a sudden about a week afterwards i'm in the office by myself because i did that too every now and then and i get a call from hr and they said hey you're about to start getting some weird text messages and emails your entire division has been let go because <laughs> huh? there's, there's 10 of us and that means like from the president down to uh, the executive assistants, Dunskys. Uh, wow. Very odd, very awkward. Um, somewhat, they had flown somebody from building facilities from Stanford into our office who was walking around the floor who had never been there before. I'd never met the person. And it was a, who are you? Who are you <laughs> situation? Because <laughs> yeah, I, I live in that office, my little cave in there. But that person had never been there before, didn't know how to do anything. And I had to kind of help them lock the place down, which is odd. Not the first time either. I got furloughed last April after the pandemic and I had to help an IT person in Stanford cut off my security access because they didn't know how to do it. Uh, and I did. Insane. And again, just oh, part man. of the whole like milking folks like back pocket IT was one of the mini hats that I wore for that company in that position is because we, people picked up lots of jobs and people got let go mm -hmm. and they didn't hire new people. They just spread it around, which is 
I think what's happening right now, they're just spreading stuff around instead of bringing mm. more people in or keeping more people on. That's my theory anyway. I don't actually know what's yeah. happening. I recall last time you were on, uh, I had previously seen you working security for Paige at one of the screenings for fighting for my family. So yeah, yeah uh, you, you've, you've mentioned this before. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's, it's terrifying. fun because again, wearing lots of hats is not a bad thing necessarily. I've got lots of different kinds of experience, all not necessarily in line with what my profession is as an attorney in Hollywood. But jobs get done, stuff needs to get finished, and so I do the job. And the fun part about that is being the fan that I am, one of two fans in the office, whenever there needed to be creative decisions made that focus on a product, I get the phone call. In fact, like watching wrestling was basically a part of my job. I had to stay up with the product so that when the president of the studio calls and says, hey, why did Kofi just lose the belt in five seconds? Was that dumb? Like, was that a good thing? What is this? And I had to like walk her through why this is a thing, why they what they might want to do with it. Um, in fact, just getting a phone call on a Tuesday morning and hearing what the hell is pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> when you're talking to the wow. president about something like that, when when she calls you and asks you, why did Kofi lose or, or whatever whatever it is that she saw? Is Most that... recently, why did Edge win the Rumble? What the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> is, is that because she's going to have to have a conversation with Vince or somebody like that and needs to appear like she watches the product and understands it? Or is it we're looking for members of the roster who are currently being spotlighted or spotlit that we can we can use in projects? Or is it a little bit of both? All the above, literally. Um, she's, um, Susan Levinson is her name. She's an amazing person. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's good at her job, so she wants to know what she's working with in and around. Um, so just general knowledge is going to help her out. Getting context for the knowledge instead of just like a stat sheet is going to help her out. She does also have to go into meetings with Nick Khan and Vince and would like to you know know what's going on in the product. Um, and also just general curiosity. This big thing happened to the company. She knows it's one of the big four. Um, why is this important? Why do you think they went this way as opposed to another way? Um, so it's just her immersing herself in the business for the sake of her job at the time and did a little bit of personal life too. Because again, sure. she's not a fan in general, uh, so she's learning on the spot. Wow! And uh, what was the what was the reasoning you gave her about Edge winning the Rumble? I went through the neck surgery, uh, the feel good moment. They probably were going to do this last year, but then the pand- the injury and the pandemic happened. Uh, so he was going to get this spot at some point, I imagine, last year. Things didn't go the way they did, but they decided to just push it into this direction for better or for worse. Uh, I'm not on record as being a huge Edge fan historically. But that's not that's neither here nor there. <laughs> sure, you can still you still can analyze as a as a fan. You can still analyze it and understand. Definitely, yeah. so crazy. And as a fan of movies, so sorry, this interview is over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Julian, give him a chance. I was giving him a chance to redeem himself by telling us how much he loves Money Plane. I mean, don't don't talk over the man. He clearly knows a lot about Hollywood, and he knows a great film when he sees one. So give him a chance. So. Uh, funny thing about Money Plan and just in the some of the benefits and cool things that have come from working in the company. Um, I'm, I've made really good friends with the artist who designs New Day's gear, uh, John Davenport. Wonderful, beautiful human being. And him and I have like a standing date set to watch Money Plane together. Because I haven't seen Amazing. it yet. It will <laughs> test your friendship. It will test that friendship to its very limits. Yeah. And just um, and speaking of friendship too, the, uh, the other fan in the company is Mark Calderaro. I'm dropping names like crazy because I love these people and I want people to know who these people are. Uh, he's a brilliant individual. He was working on the creative side of the company and he was the other fan. And for people who have ever heard of the podcast Screen Drafts, where you just like draft movies of certain things to the, get the number one, 
he did an episode about the best Nicolas Cage movies, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it to people at this point. But between Excellent. Mark and I, whenever there was a question about, and the Netflix film that we did, main event, uh, the kids film, mm-hmm. they came to us and said, who should we cast in this movie? Like, who would fit here? Because, of course, Netflix is going to say, well, get us Roman Reigns. Get us Becky Lynch, get us John Cena. And we have to be like, wait, no, 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 no. Uh, let's make this about NXT because they're not that busy. And let's have people who you don't know who they are be the people in this film who are going to be uh, side characters, basically. So they came to us and said, who, 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 who do we put in this movie? And it's like, Otis, for sure. This is Otis pre-Money in the Bank right before his big push. So we feel yeah. partially responsible for that. Sure. Um, Keith Lee, yeah, before his big push. Let's, he's, be- he's wonderful. He's beautiful. Put him in there. I personally, personally vouch for Eric Bugenhagen. Like that was me. He was in that movie because I made him get in there. And I'm so happy right now that he's <laughs> on television. You have no idea. That's, I feel like that's my, that, that's my two-year brainchild willing him to do it. <laughs> but like for the, for the Keith Lee character, they wanted Ricochet, which would have been cool too. But I feel like I had to talk them down off that a little bit. Nothing against Ricochet, but for that role of the grizzled veteran, Ricochet still looks like he's 19. Um, and yeah. Keith Lee just fit the role a lot better. Plus, we didn't know he could sing until he sang, which was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that caught us all by surprise. So great. Well, Ooh. now you know when Village Road shows, like, we need somebody to play a podcast host. You have, <laughs> you have at least two choices in front of you and a third who was not able to join us now. So maybe they split the role in three. I don't want to tell you how to do your job. I don't want to tell them how to do their job. That's not what this is about. Yeah. Can I get uh, one more in? Just because yeah, it, it was please. it would have been way more relevant last week. But um, And this is a little bit hearsay-ish, but in the prior regime, prior to my current uh, most recent president, we were in a different regime and I got an email from him saying, um, Hey, who are the top 10 superstars you would see like a really in-depth biography about? Of course, this is uh, predecessors of the Amy bio conversations. And I gave my, and not just personally, but like marketability, people would know household names type stuff like that. And of course you're going to get your Austin's, your Brett's, your Macho Man's. Um, I didn't put warrior on there, but you know, whatever. I didn't put Hogan on there either. Flair. Um, it's like the ones you would expect. I also put Eddie, I also put Booker T, the note that I got back, and I was told this was from Vince, but I didn't see the email exchange, I didn't hear the conversation, but I was told from my president that uh, Vince says your list needs more diversity. And I think to myself, huh. so if I can't put together a top 10 list of your workers that has more diversity, is that more my thing or is that more your thing? <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't feel like a your fault thing, does it? That feels like a let's go back in time and change 50 years of history thing. Um, The conversation that led from that, though, was like my boss, not a fan, didn't know who Booker T was. And I had to say, like, no, no, no. Um, If you're going to have a top top 10 list and you do want, you know, your little bit of diversity, you keep Booker T on that list. Um, Please read his story. It's amazing and he's amazing and he deserves to be spoken of in the same conversation as these other people. And that was a, a little bit of a fight. Um, and two years later now, I got to watch the episode finally and a little bit of, you know, right there that it made it onto air in all of its glory. Um, and also I'm, I'm best friends with Charmel now, which is also dope. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. That's pretty great. <laughs> That's, That's so your cool. reward. That is your karmic reward for doing great work. Charmic yeah, reward. Definitely so. <laughs> Oh, Hal, I love You're a welcome. pun. Thank you. That was for you. That was for you. <laughs> you love. So, Thank you. 
just to go back, uh, you you had wrapped up working on Fighting With My Family in 2019 when we spoke to you, which I really enjoyed. I loved that movie. I thought it was really, really fun. Uh, what else? What else had you been working on specifically? What specific projects were you were you a part of in the in the in between time between that and uh, when the world turned upside down? I think Marine Six had either wrapped right before that or right after that. So Marine Six happened, which love that movie to death. The um, best Marine. I'm saying it. The best it's Marine. Really wow. good, and it was definitely one of those things where who is this Be- Rebecca Quinn lady? Why is she amazing? <laughs> How much are we paying her? That's a deal. Um, that whole thing. Um, and I've, I've been debating whether to share this story because it's a little mean spirited, but I guess it could be, I don't know if things get cut or not. But like, Hi. Hi, Darren. Come sit with us. Yeah. Come sit with us and share this story. The seat is warm. It's, it's, it's a very small thing, but like we did have to make sure that we filmed Sean from only certain angles because he does have an issue that maybe some people know about. Um, I'm going to, mm-hmm. again, um, so possibly. So it, it's it's a little mean, but we did have to shoot around um, certain features of his vision area. I mean, that feels very Hollywood, and that feels like sure. he would want that. You know, I feel like yeah. the Heartbreak Kid would demand his angles, so that that makes that I don't mind that. Like I'm okay he's with that. again amongst the and the on the Mount Rushmore of nice people. He's definitely up there too. Yeah. So oh. I don't want to I don't want to make it seem like I'm making fun of Sean at all because he was an absolute sweetheart on set. Um, loved do- doing the work, loved working with Miz and Becky. Like, this is all coming from him, too. He stopped by the office one time and was just gushing about the process. Does that come from him or from his representatives? Does he come in and say, like, me have shot list? Or is it, like... <laughs> it was just, just the producers. The... Producers, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to get the best-looking shots possible. Um, it, so it feels mean-spirited, just saying it out loud. But, like, it was... He wouldn't have cared if we told him that's why we were doing it anyway, because he's a professional. Uh, but that's, that was just one thing that we had to do. Or not, we didn't have to, but the producers ended up doing around the shoot. Yeah. Did he use a Cookie Monster voice at, at any point? <laughs> the only voice he has, Lindsay. Okay, of course. He, I, uh, the rumor is he lobbied for the ab shot. That's the rumor. I don't know if it's true or not. But like, he's nice. like, I'm 52 years old. These things still look great. Get the camera like right there mid-torso. <laughs> <laughs> me have a pitch. What if me show me belly? Mm, muscles. Nom, 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 nom. Uh, it always amazes me the extent to which these these wrestlers who who many of all three of them are huge stars. Shawn Michaels, one of the hugest stars of all time. The extent to which they are they are humble. In in any non wrestling, I mean, I can't say what they're like in a wrestling capacity because I'm not there. I don't know, don't know anything that's going on there. But I. I worked with The Miz years ago, like 11 years ago. Could not have been nicer, could not have been more uh, uh, humble and quiet, kept to himself, but very accommodating. And it, it always, uh, it just blows my blows my mind. I know they're, they're obviously they're playing characters. He's not going to walk in in a weird jacket, although he was wearing Louboutins, and, and be his, his television character. But some of that has to be there in some way for him to be able to play that character. So it just, especially a guy like Shawn Michaels for him to just come in and be like, all right, well. You hear it all the time this. though, right? Like I, my, my husband's an editor in TV and he has friends that obviously have worked on a million different projects. And every so often a wrestler will pop up in someone's project, whether it's, uh, I remember a friend of his was interviewing, you know, 
rest his soul, uh, Luke Harper for his movie that he did. And he called us and was like, what should I know about this guy? And it happens every so often. Someone will have someone doing a bit part or they'll be interviewing them relating to a movie. And across the board, blanket, I have only, only ever heard people say, oh my God, I was so surprised. They were so wonderful. Like you never hear people complain about wrestlers. I've only heard directors and producers and edit staff say, I can't believe how good all of their takes were. I can't believe how well prepared they were. But it's always a surprise to the other people, to the people who aren't fans of the business. They're always shocked that these wrestlers are super smart, super prepared, super hardworking. And and I always just want to say, well, yeah, (laughs) like their job is really hard. You asked them to go and do a fun thing. (laughs) So like they came and they gave it their best shot. And I I do love that. It's part of the business I absolutely love um, and that I think they should all get more credit for. So I'm excited to hear it about Sean. Like I really am because you want to believe that he's, you know, I've been watching his biography on A&E and I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, when it comes good, it makes me so happy. I'm so happy when a wrestling story has a happy ending and not a tragic one. Yes. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, obviously the, the layoffs that are happening at WWE films seem to be part of an overall uh, thinning out, slimming down. Uh, specifically, that's a, the that's roster. a very polite way of putting it. Well, isn't it? Some, <laughs> on the on the slashing, main roster, a slashing yeah. of of the business. Some huge cuts happening. Obviously, Braun Strowman no longer with WWE. Alistair Black gone. Lana gone. Ruby Riot gone. Buddy Murphy gone. Santana Garrett gone. And they are not the only ones. When something like this is happening, and you're aware that these texts are coming, is it communicated as we are across the company? making cuts everywhere and uh, you know obviously they're not calling the w and saying hey we're getting you have to know that some people are going to be gone because they may no longer be viable do any of them have projects in the works how does that how does that affect wwe films and and how much how much information gets out across the company uh, about what's going on so what normally happens when when there's been large cuts or like high profile cuts we'll get an email and, and all staff from Vince's office, just giving a little bit of context. And that I was in a rare position of being let go and still getting that email because when my division got cut, they all got put onto a conference call and said, hey, you guys are gone. And then I got a call afterwards from HR saying, what I said before, like, hey, you might get some weird texts in a minute. But So when this company, and I, it's a Hollywood thing too, I guess any, any company, when they cut people, their cut access is cut off because they don't want retribution or whatever. Not that retribution, but retaliation um, or I guess any bad stuff to happen. People are disgruntled. That's a thing. So my entire company was just they were cut off from access, contacts, whatever. I still had access. I still had emails. I was still working. Um, they said I would actually work for two more days after the phone call happened because I was in a resigned pile and not the laid off pile. So I was right. still like in the system. So I got the all staff and it's really just like, hey, you know. We're going to tighten our belts, do the work, blah, 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 put smiles on people's faces, et cetera. That, that's, that's what happens. It's very, very benign, very uh, generic, uh, but it is what it is. There's not usually notice for these things. Um, and for for people who have projects in the fires, you would expect it to be so they could try to wrap them up. And full disclosure, uh, WWE's Most Wanted isn't done yet. There's still two episodes to like finish, at least one, as of last week. And there was there were hefty ones too. Like they're not easy. Okay, just like you know, cut them together and they're done. We were I was neck deep in these projects these last few episodes to get them done, 
And then they're like, all right, stop working. And I <laughs> just try to make clear to the HR person, like, no, these are not finished. A lot of work needs to get done. A&E does not have the episodes yet. And just from the simple aspect of going through the episodes in raw form and highlighting which WWF logos need to get blurred, that was my job. Like I had to go through and circle them and give them to the editors and say, blur here and blur here and blur here. And now there's nobody to do that. So I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> I mean, I, I've watched a couple of episodes of that. Maybe they just leave it at what we've got. I'm just <laughs> saying, if you're cutting back budgets, like it's charming. And, and I've seen Mick Foley and maybe that's enough. I just think maybe I've had enough. You don't want to see them hunt down Butch Reed's hair dye? How dare you? I'm fine with it. You know, That's a two-parter. I'm okay. I'm okay. It's just saying. The HR person then said, hang on, let me call Nick Khan real quick and I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Cool. They said they'd figure it out. So, I mean, it's not. I, I feel inclined to help out because the people who are working on it are not just interior WWE, they're external post-supervisors post mm -hmm. and post-production people yeah, yeah, who are yeah. not affiliated with us, and they're like pulling their hair up they don't know what's happening. So I feel bad for them, so I'm like, please let me keep working so I can help them out because they're you dying. You know what, Darren? I'm going to stop you, and I'm going to be a good girlfriend and say, you, you've just come out of a relationship where you were ready to leave and then they were like, well, I was ready to leave anyway. I was going to break up with you, even though you broke up with me. And you know what? You're not responsible for their mental health. You're not responsible for the bad decisions they're making now that you've ended it. And you need to like give yourself grace and say, I did everything I can. And I made the conscious adult decision to get out of this unhealthy relationship. You can still have love for that person. And I respect you for that. But they are, they are not your problem. I have said this before to other people under different circumstances, but I do feel like it's appropriate right now. It's so not hard. your problem. It's so it's hard. So hard. Just leaving it undone, because it's a, it's a cute show. It's, it makes people it's feel good. It's a cute good. show. It's very um, it, charming. Yeah, that's how I got to be friends with Charmel, because like they, the, epi the Booker episode, the, um, I had to contact them, her and Booker directly to get like an extra pair of trunks for one of the sellers, because there was some like um, off-camera thing happening. And so I was like texting back and forth with Charmel and that was really awesome. And like the show is just, it makes people feel good when they're watching it. And to have it like either not be finished at all or not be finished well, just makes me anxious. Uh, it so made me feel like some of those guys had things in their closets that I didn't need to see. Like, I think some of those people are watching wrestling with life-size dummies in their basements and like, that's their friends. But I say that entirely with love. I say it It's my Chris Masters real doll. <laughs> just ignore that i put a towel over over the parts you can't show on tv but before we end this segment darren i, I want to ask a question and i i feel like this is 100 percent conjecture i want to be clear unless you want to say otherwise that you don't have any knowledge of this but the, the speculation is that part of the slimming down may be to make them appealing for for um an acquisition and Further, people are speculating it's NBC. That makes zero sense to me because NBC's already paid them a bunch of money to license content. Would have made more sense to buy the company like Vince did with WCW and ECW. He bought them for the libraries. You buy WWE for the library. But also, NBC Universal is not a live events company that's going to want to deal with touring the world. And I also, this is all my opinion, I don't think Vince wants to give up control. That is a family company that he that he bought from his father that he will pass on to Stephanie and Triple H. That's the sense I get. What is your feeling about it? My feeling is similar to yours. It's a cold dead hand scenario. Um, but stranger things have happened in wrestling. 
like Vince did buy WCW while they were on air. Uh, that was weird. So who's to say? Like, I got literally, I, I have no insight on the matter. The, the only insight that I have are some of the hirings that they've done in the past six to eight months. Um, a lot of Hollywood people. Uh, Nick Khan himself, big Hollywood person for CAA. Some of the attorneys, big entertainment attorneys from different uh, firms that have represented big Hollywood clients. So we've always been a satellite that functioned in Hollywood because Stanford didn't know what was going on necessarily. They didn't want to know that they were separate and they, they don't do business the same way as uh, studios do. So that was kind of our niche was being able to do this very specialized thing that Stanford doesn't want to or know how to do. These hires have been bridging that gap a little bit because these executives do come from that world. They do understand these things. So maybe our necessity was more thin because they have experts who can forge their own teams and build the, build the company in their image for these things going forward, potentially. Don't know if that's what's going to happen. They didn't, as far as I know, wipe the division. They merged it with the two other ones. One was like advanced media something and forget what the other one was. I think it was just TV. So it doesn't mean it's going to, it's going to disappear, uh, but maybe just the people who were doing the jobs that are in limbo were just gone so they can give those seven jobs to one other person. Don't know. Yeah. I do. I want to throw in from a licensing perspective. Sorry, Hal, I just um, to interrupt. But mm. I, I worked in licensing before I was an author full time. And I'm like, baby gets to use her old brain, which is exciting. And just from my perspective, I was in pub the publishing side of licensing, but worked with all of the studios. And we actually had meetings with WWE because obviously I was like, let's do their stuff. And they were too hard to work with. So we didn't. Um, <laughs> But one thing we would do and we saw companies do often and again, it's just all speculation. No one's going to know until we know. That's the thing with wrestling, right? I mean, if we learn nothing else from these cuts, like you have no idea until it happens. Um, what you will sometimes do if it's a huge potential investment is you will license for a period. And if that works out for both sides, you know, and it, you might not know which side is reticent to do the deal. So maybe WWE was like, we're not interested in selling but we license our library to you for five years. And if that relationship works out, we can have another conversation further down the line. Because from the NBC perspective, it doesn't make sense almost not to buy because you are spending an enormous amount of money to license something that if it is successful at the end of the licensing period, WWE are gonna screw you for more money to extend the licensing period. And they've got you on a hook because you've, they've been successful. Like that was a position I was very often in with books and we would work with movie studios and we would be like, this has been a great relationship, let's renew it. And they'd be like, yeah, let's, but for more. And they'd be like, oh, I, don't, I don't have more. And then they would just go and get more from someone else. That's that's how it works. You mentioned, uh, well, what would NBC with the, with, do with the touring division? And a thing that popped into my head a little while ago was that because of the pandemic, we lost the fans. NBC produces television shows and sitcoms, Universal at large, does movies and stuff like that. They do things with a set and a studio audience, potentially. The Thunder Thunderdome just looks like a sitcom set. They can, they can manage that. Don't have to worry about weird, weird fans and unwieldy fans doing weird things, chanting for whomever. You can control the Thunderdome. That's a television show. That's not a live sports sporting event. Huh. Maybe that's something that NBC sees that they want to do a thing with. Um, maybe we don't go back to audiences except for the big four. Uh, yeah, maybe wrestling just becomes like this very even more structured thing that they can craft the narrative even more than they were doing and to begin with. Um, yeah, it would be know. fascinating to see a PNL to see like a profit and loss analysis on how much money they've made 
over the course of Thunderdome shows versus how much money they made with live shows. Because obviously, yes, you're selling tickets, but it costs an absolute fortune to put on a live show and have it move around the country. You know, I'd love to know which one is more profitable because I think then we would find our answer because I think ultimately that's the bottom line is what's important it, here. Isn't the big money maker when you're out on the road the merch? Yeah. That's the big yeah. that's gonna be what tells the tale is if you look at yeah. the Thunder like the merch specifically, is it different when people you know, when you it, it is less of an impulse buy, even though the internet is loaded with impulse buys, when you're not walking past a bunch yeah. of Roman Reigns t-shirts every 20 feet on your way to to the tunnel to to get to your seats. So uh, who knows? Like it it, it could be yeah. that it sticks to the Thunderdome. I think the Thunderdome works fine and we'll see we'll see where it all goes. Well like the we next 12 see. months will be very telling even as far as that goes. But everybody out there if you have thoughts on all the things we've talked about, find us on the social channels. Those are in our show notes. When we come back, we're actually going to talk about some wrestling. Bold move, Cotton. (laughs) Let's see if it pays off. That's next on Tights and Fights. Hey, Jay Keith. Hey, Helen. Hey, you've got another true-false quiz for me? Yep. Our trivia podcast, Go Fact Yourself, used to be in front of a live audience. True. Turns out that's not so safe anymore. Correct. Next. Unfortunately, this means we can no longer record the show. False. The show still comes out every first and third Friday of the month. Correct. Finally, we still have great celebrity guests answering trivia about things they love on every episode of Go Fact Yourself. Definitely true. And for bonus points, name some of them. Recently, we've had uh, Ophira Eisenberg, plus tons of surprise experts like Yardley Smith and Suzanne Summers. Perfect score. Woo-hoo. You can hear Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday of the month with all the great guests and trivia that we've always had. And if you don't listen, well, then you can go fact yourself. That's the name of our podcast. Correct. Woo-hoo. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Lindsay Kelk. And... Darren Jackson. Darren, since you were on last time, wrestling has really exploded with the number of shows that are on TV. What are you watching, and what are you into right now? Uh, I'm a life for WWE. That's not going to stop, for better or for worse. Usually for worse, but sometimes for the better. <laughs> um, actually, I watched uh, Double or Nothing this week, and that's the mm-hmm. first full AEW show I've watched in over a year. I just haven't had the capacity to keep up with AEW as well um and I do also watch Shingo Japan Pro Wrestling I watch New Japan for Shingo matches almost exclusively um if Shingo's not wrestling I don't know how much I care about New Japan if I'm totally honest I will watch the entire that's still more than Hal cares so like don't worry about it don't feel bad (laughs) don't feel like you have to justify it listen it's not it's just I haven't made room for it in my life yet it's It's capacity we all have a capacity and you know it's rough yeah. Uh, well, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about Double or Nothing since you brought it up. The annual Double or Nothing show that happened this past Sunday. For some reason, I thought it was Saturday. I was. I'm strong and wrong about it. <laughs> Lindsay, you watched it from beginning to end. I did. Uh, what did you enjoy from the show? What were some highlights for you? And actually. Then- you know that's a lie, and I shouldn't claim that I watched it from beginning to end because I uh, paused during the Cody match to go make my lunch because I my dinner because I couldn't I just couldn't do it, uh, and I saw them announce it and I'm like it is time for me to go and make pasta uh, <laughs> because <laughs> anything else I'm gonna try something new where I'm really positive about the good things and I don't try to dwell too much on the negative things which actually is not new it's a throwback 
it just predates <laughs> since we started talking about AEW. Because <laughs> I, I feel like I was never as down as I was in the last few months. Do you remember when it started, Hal? And every week I would be like, Hal, just give it a chance. You're not giving it a chance, Hal. Um, I, I, I appreciate, I would never want to douse your flame. <laughs> in fact. Sometimes it needs to be doused. No, I mean, it's just uh, I, the, the joke of, of, uh. Darren, I don't know if you're aware, every week I make Lindsay recap what's going on in the AEW women's division, which usually entails one five-minute match. It's a cruel and unusual punishment. Which which is mostly for laughs and partially just like a, are they doing it now? Now are they doing it? (laughs) Are they doing it? Did they deliver on everything they promised? Um, Well, and we could do that again here. We could absolutely do that again here if you discount the Uh, pre-show. But this is an exciting Rip Baker getting uh, getting the win. It feels like they put the title on a champion who... Will will be a more effective carrier of it for yeah. now. There's nothing against Sheeta, who is outstandingly talented. Love everything she does in the ring. I just, I, you know, I've been over the areas where I think maybe she didn't benefit the champion championship as much as she could have, and that that falls on creative more than it does on her. But I think now they've they've created and built a a bona fide star. Over the course and of if the only first they had, years. we had seen more of the Sheeta that we had in the promo package for this match, where she said, "All you have been working hard at is talking shit." And I, I, I believe in the words of the children. It sent me, like I was doing, <laughs> like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen, and I want to watch this Sheeta forever. Um, shit talking Sheeta for life, please. Um, the one thing I thought was weird. So there were a couple of things I thought about weird. I enjoyed the match. I think Britt's going to be a fantastic champion. I loved. Uh, the psychology of the match. I liked the shenanigans. I liked Rebel getting involved. I liked when she hugged Tony at the end. I thought that was a cute way of letting her celebrate in real time, but whilst maintaining character. Um, the weird thing was there were moments of it where I felt underwhelmed a little bit. It felt a little sloppy. And I think maybe because they were both just so hyped up that there were moments where I was like, ooh, this isn't as crisp or as clean as I thought it was going to be. But it's, these are minor niggles, and I love when I only have minor niggles about an AEW match. Like, that's my joy. That's my happy place. The other thing I thought I didn't like about it, and this is, I've realized, a larger issue with AEW broadly, is the way they positioned Brit in the package, in the promo. They took her from being full heel, which I think is where she lives. I think she is an amazing heel. I absolutely love her arrogant bold cocky i love that brit completely and they turned it around a little bit to being like i'm the hardest worker and i deserve this and i've been here and i've sacrificed and i've given and while that might be true you took you took a brilliant snarky glamorous cocksure Roman, uh, Roman Reigns, uh, <laughs> uh, Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels-esque heel, which is where she lives for me. That's where she should be with the glitter, the sequins, the glam, the arrogance, the, the confidence. And you you had to try and back it up with a like, you know what, she deserves this. And I'm like, I don't want you to tell me she deserves this. I want her to cheat and steal and do whatever she's got to do to get it because she believes she deserves this. I don't need to believe she deserves this. I need to believe that she's a sneaky bitch um, and that she'll just do whatever it takes to win. And there was just a moment in that package and in that storytelling when I was like, oh, this is a thing they do where part of why AEW isn't satisfying to me as a as a company and as in storylines is 
And this is not, people will immediately start screaming at me, raw, raw. And I'm going to say, yeah, I, I'm not talking about raw. I'm talking about AW. It's so predictable. I looked at that card and apart from the stadium stampede match, I think I had predicted the winner of every match. I don't feel like there are shocks and surprises. I don't feel like there are twists and turns in the storytelling. The reason I had to walk away from the Cody match <laughs> right before we saw him bring Rachel, oh, someone tweeted this and it was amazing and I can't remember who, but we'll find it and post it because they deserve it. And I know we all retweeted it on the night, but Cody brought racial unity to America by defeating a mixed race Olympic hero with who's visually impaired and believes that all countries like should have free healthcare. Um, it's like, Cody! And did it dress as Homelander from the boys? Like, I mean, the number of questionable things that happened there, I, I lost count. But as soon as you tie the Cody match into Memorial Day, it's like, he's not going to lose, is he? Like, also, Cody's just clearly never going to lose because even when he loses, he wins because it's Cody. But I was just like, oh, I can't watch this match because I can't watch him. There's no point to watching it. Like, I don't get anything out of this. And that's part of, I think when I tried to drill down into not just being like, oh, I hate this, because that's unhelpful. I tried to work out why I'm not enjoying it. And a part of it is, so much of it is just so predictable. Uh, and maybe that is really reassuring and fun and cathartic and easy to watch for some people because you you know, you go to a Marvel movie because you want the good guy to win and you know they're gonna. Um, and maybe that is enjoyable for a lot of people. But the, one of the reasons I love NXT is I just don't know what's gonna happen a lot of the time. And I just thought that was an interesting moment. Doesn't mean, and being predictable doesn't mean the matches can't be great. Like I figured Co uh, Kenny was gonna win, but that was a super fun match. That was everything I wanted it to be, and I really loved it. I, I enjoyed Miro winning, uh, and I figured Miro was gonna win, but I enjoyed the match. You know, like there, there were no moments of it that I really didn't enjoy apart from Cody. Um, I really love that a lot of people enjoyed it and I asked on Instagram if our listeners had enjoyed it and by and large they did and that makes me happy. Awesome. They're my thoughts. Darren, what were your thoughts? Easy takeaway I had from the beginning was that every match was booked like a main event which was pretty interesting to see. Um, again, having not seen a full card in over a year I was also interested to see how many people I would recognize from the start of AEW um, still in prominent positions and up until like the, the Casino Battle Royal it felt like Man, they haven't really added anybody to this show in a year's time. But then I saw a lot more faces there. I mean, and it continued onward, too. I saw people who I hadn't seen before who that seemed like they spent some time on, which, again, good to see. I actually went back and just checked cards from from a year ago or even maybe two years before then just to see who's still on TV just as a random exercise. And it was, yeah, it was a good feeling seeing that they are like, adding people to the roster still and using them. Uh, the Brit um, and Sheeta match was good. I Punk put out this tweet about having a morally bankrupt garbage fire creative team putting out a blockbuster movie. Um, and you keep watching it because you just like movies. I just like movies. I'm one of those people. I just like watching movies. Um, and sometimes just seeing how they do the predictable thing. And I agree, Lindsay, a lot of it was predictable, even not having seen the product in a long time. I want to see how they do it. Um, and they did it. They did the thing that was predictable. Well, like 95% of the night on a double or nothing. Uh, so I, I definitely did enjoy it. Triple Threat was amazing. The <laughs> stadium stampede was ridiculous and amazing. Cody's definitely turning heel with his angle. 
I mean, there's there's no way he stays a face with this. Well, I hope so. We I feel like we've been saying that for about six months. So I feel like we've been saying like for so long. We've been like, well, this is the start of heel Cody, fantastic. And then it never happens. And then you realize he says things, and you're like, oh my god, he thinks he's right about all the things. Uh, he's and John maybe Walker. He thinks this is what a face is. And I think in any other company, he's John Walker. In any other company, they make him a heel because he's going that way whether he sees it or not but i think because it's his company he doesn't know he's the heel and it's like die a hero or live long enough to become the villain cody and you've got to go heel you've got to go heel please give me heel cody please please so I, I haven't i haven't been baited along with that for these months so maybe i don't feel it as strong as you guys do but like you can't wear that coat and be a face like that doesn't happen in real life and if he you, he's got pen. that tattoo and he thinks he's a face. So <laughs> he had that coat basically put on his body and he thinks he's a face. For me, he's a heel ever since he brought Pharaoh out with the fireworks. I'm sorry. But like, <laughs> I, I, I'm fascinated. Like, Cody's career trajectory now is like morbid fascination to me where it's like, I cannot look away, but I don't want to know. And it's just like, where is this going to go? What are you going to do? I, I, I mean... I got into AEW because I was like, yay, Cody, Kenny, and the box. This is my dream. This is all I've ever wanted. And of all of those now, I'm like, can I have more Kenny, please? Please, may I have more Kenny? Just more Kenny and everything. I'm fine, but more Kenny, please. Um, so I just am fascinated to see where the Cody of it all goes forever and a day. Let me carry through this John Walker analogy just a little <laughs> bit. He... He uh, serves... And then he killed a guy. And <laughs> then he killed a guy. He becomes a hero serving around the world. Then, then uh, all of a sudden, is put into this position of power, and he loses his damn mind. You discover that his values are not what you thought they were all along, and he's been asked to carry a mantle that he's probably not equipped to handle. Oh God, it fits not properly. So, and he has a black wife, and he lives. (laughs) I mean, and he lives. Jesus, this is terrifying. (laughs) And he lives in an in-between space where he believes that everything he's doing is right and good. And correct, but he he occupies much more of a gray area than he than he would like to, and sometimes dips into into the darkest areas of the human. Captain psyche. America is for everyone. This is, this has gone horribly wrong. That's Three right. star John Walker. This has gone horribly wrong, Hal. I'm John so Walker, afraid. John Walker's not going to be at Avengers <laughs> Campus when you go. I promise. I promise okay, he won't be there. Okay. Oh, wait, well, can, I can't promise. Can we start calling Cody? The Captain American nightmare now. Yeah, I think I think we must. I think I think I see that we have no choice. It's the Captain American nightmare. Oh God! Uh, what were, were you going to say murdered. about the about the young bucks? Darren? No, just uh, the point Lindsay made about Brit, like st- uh, keeping with that, like just gross, greasy heel territory. Like the Bucks are that heel right now, and I was very surprised to see what they've turned into. I uh, did not expect that at all, and that was a thing of beauty, what they are and what they're doing right now. Just leaning all the way into being disgusting grody heels. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with Lindsay. Like, I want that for Brit. Like, just be that all whole cloth all the way through. Because those guys are disgusting. And I, it, was, it was incredible. <laughs> when yeah. they cut the streamers off their tights of their jacket, I genuinely reacted. Like, I had a visceral reaction to it, which was magical. I was like, oh my god. But if they are going to make a knockoff off-white tights, just use the right font, lads. That's my <laughs> only comment, is Virgil Abloh has very openly told you what font it is and how anyone can use it, and he doesn't care, and that's the whole point of off-white, is that it, it could be done by anyone, but it was done by him. Just just check the font. 
lads because um, so many people messaged and tweeted and a couple of them added me because obviously I have no nothing else to do and, and too much involvement and they're like what is with the tights I'm like I think they're supposed to be a nod to off-white uh and and it's it's gone badly <laughs> like it's gone badly by just using the wrong font uh but it, it, i i appreciate it. I, lo- I do enjoy what they're doing i just it, it, it weirds me out without wanting to go on my aw just soapbox again it it really bothers me that they took too long to pull the trigger on kenny and the box and they invested all of their time and energy and cody and you look back and that is true and i think they i think that was a mistake now at the time, I was like, they're investing in their whole roster. And I'm like, no, they weren't, because they're just picking up WWE's leftovers, left, right, and center. Um, I think they should have pulled the trigger on them sooner. I love what they're doing now. I know when we had Mike on the podcast the last time, he said his kids, his kid did not care about the Bucks or Kenny at all, because they were just losers. They were just people in the show who lost all the time. And it just took away that shine. Um, and now you've got a try and build the young bucks like you've got to try and build them for the people who don't know who they are and it's like wow imagine having the box and then you fucked it up you have to take the time to build these characters and if you want a new audience and you want to increase your audience that is how you do it you have to educate people that is something wwe has done a very good job with even if the people they were building up didn't you know Giant Gonzalez, like, you know, they established these characters and they didn't do it with vignettes. But those vignettes and video introductions, when they take the time to build a character, it will pay off because you will care one way or another. And if you don't, then they know, okay, this isn't going to work. I would love to talk to some people and kids, especially about how they feel about the Bucks now. Like you say, not knowing who they were before they came here. Like if you didn't know they were good Christian boys that wore shiny spangly jackets and were kind of snarky but actually just like so pure and good and loved wrestling so much does their heel turn affect you as much does their heel is their heel turn as thrilling as it's been for me to be like oh they're real dicks now this is who they always were uh i'm i'm really curious i i I would love to get someone on who knew nothing about them Unlike poor Hal, who had me and Danielle screaming at him every week, going like, but PWG, but PWG, which is probably not helpful to the majority of the country. Yeah, sorry we couldn't all go to. <laughs> yeah, Hal, why couldn't you Los be Angeles at promotion? the Reseda American Legion Hall that was sold out within three seconds of it opening every week? What's wrong with you? Did you know the future? Oh my God, you're so lame. I'm just glad to know that maybe the problem wasn't me all along. <laughs> Let us know what you thought about Double or Nothing on all of our social media outlets. You can find links to those in the show notes. And when we come back, we've got three things from the world of wrestling that you should know about. That's up next on Tights and Fights. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Tyson Bob.
Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, joined today by... Lindsay Kelp. And... Darren Jackson. This week, we want to end the show by sharing some of the joy of wrestling with you. This is The Three Count. Darren, you're our guest. I would love for you to lead us off with something that's brought you some joy in wrestling. Xavier Woods getting singles matches on Monday Night Raw. Um, I, I, if I had social media, I would have typed this out, but I don't, and I'll never get credit for it that I feel like I deserve. But I've always wanted Xavier just to start being a strong guy. Like, yeah, you've got Big E, but you'd be a strong guy too. Like, you've got muscles. Let's build him to do strong guy-looking moves because he can do them. And I've always wanted him to have the Gibson Buster, the, the overhead gut buster thing. And, I just, and he did all those things against Riddle, and then he talked about it on the podcast. And now, now like a smart guy for thinking of it first. But regardless of that, I got to watch it happen. And in the in the community, there was a match of the month thread for May, and that's my match of the month. Notwithstanding Shingo versus Osprey, which Shingo's my guy, but like that was a breakout performance, and he looked so good. He looked so good. And even in the Randy match, he looked so good. So I'm I'm my I'm gonna say because I have a social media platform now. Either him or Big E are winning Money in the Bank this year. Book it. Call it. Oh, I would oh. love to see Woods win Money in the Bank. That's yeah. just, that's I didn't my, know I needed it until now. You just say, say somewhere, but like that's that's just giving me so much life seeing Xavier get put some big boy pants on. I love it to death. It's interesting that the beginning of the new day, he was the he was the mouthpiece more than anything. Then it turned out all three of them can cut a great promo, especially when you don't saddle Kofi with a fake accent. Then, <laughs> then he starts wrestling where you see like, oh, he can wrestle, but he everything else he does is so good that it overshadows what a good wrestler he is. So it's great to see him. I remember the U.S. title tournament they had a, a while back. He was great in that. He, he's fantastic and, and deserves his moment as, as a single star. And, and maybe Money in the Bank is the time to do it. I love Big E as a Money in the Bank winner, too. He's ready for the main event. The IC title I'm just thinking about all, all the great things they could keep in the briefcase. Like he could, <laughs> I mean, it would be functional for him. He carries his uh, consoles with him when pancakes. he travels, so that would be nice. But also pancakes. But also pancakes. A, Cereal. A very yeah. small, portable version of, of uh, Francesca 2 Turbo. With <laughs> Francesca 3 one. Championship Edition. They just hold up <laughs> and put it in that case. But yeah, oh, I'm that in, would be I'm here great. for it. Oh, I love that. Lindsay. I would like to put over Ruby Riot. Uh, that's, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing that I'm putting over. I think she is fantastic. I think she is, I mean, people say this all the time. We say this all the time. She was one of the most underused talents that they have had in so long. Um, honestly, I, I, I was trying to get my head around it because I'm like, I get it. I get it because this round of cuts to me looked like them trying to hit a number. They were so specific. The fact that it was big names that we weren't expecting. It's like they were trying to hit a number. She hasn't done that much, but that's their fault, not her fault. She is clearly massively loved. The outpouring of love for her on social media has been beautiful. And Natty posted that she threw her a birthday party in the locker room. Someone else posted that she sent all the dog mom's pets, uh, dog mom's pets, sent the dog mom's flowers on Mother's Day. It just seems like she was an absolute light. 
to be around and her talent is insane. I, I have interviewed her a couple of times. She's very soft-spoken. She's She was a lot more withdrawn than I expected her to be in a media situation given how confident she is in her role. I'm gutted that she's gone without us seeing her give her best. I think Natty posted something about how she was her favorite person to wrestle because she always made the other person look amazing and sacrificed herself and made herself look bad so the other person could look better. That is such a rare talent. I think they have lost something. I, I genuinely think it's a loss. This isn't just a, well, they, they come and I'll, like six months from now I'll have forgotten they were there, which is honestly, without being unkind, a lot of wrestlers is like you, you're outraged and then six months later you forgot that they were ever there. I think this is a huge mistake for the women's division in general. I think she would have been a huge boon to the training facility. You could have sent her back to NXT. You could have done, I mean, that, I don't see women's roster is stacked, but she's just that good. You could have put her anywhere and she would have been amazing. And I am super pumped to see her come back to life on the indies. Uh, I, I just think it's a loss and I think she deserves a moment. And uh, I'm sad that it took this for me to give it to her. But yay, Ruby Riot! thank you for being amazing and being different and showing women something else and showing little girls a different way to be a women's wrestler and how they you look you you know you made it she made she made life better for people and it's making me sad but i'm i'm really sad that she's gone really sad that she's gone hopefully better things on the horizon undoubtedly hey if you need a little bit of levity in your life i'm going to keep it real simple and in the show notes you will find a link to a TikTok of Andrade suplexing his future father-in-law, Ric Flair, into a pool. That's it. That's all. Send tweet. <laughs> that does it for this episode of Tights and Fights. This week, your hosts were Lindsay Kelk, along with me, Hal Lublin, Darren Jackson. Thank you for coming back and joining us. Can I congratulate you on the Sixers making it to the next round? Yes. Yes. Please, <laughs> let's talk about it. We briefly talk about it. Nobody ever talks about it with me. I just, I was hoping that you would fit it in in a number of different ways throughout the episode. I'm sad it didn't happen that way, so I had to give it to you. Like, it's all yours. This is your moment. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Thank you. I just hope, I just, if I can say a small prayer now. Dear Flying Spaghetti Monster, let your pasta tentacles wrap themselves with loving care around the right need of Joel, Hans, and Bede and keep him safe and strong and dominant so that he can get the ring that he deserves for Arthur, his son. What, people out there, what, do you hate children? Shame on you. Shame. Darren, thank you for bringing that up. Hard time, Daddy. It It felt very good to, felt good to win one. I love playoff basketball. The entire playoffs have been insane and enjoyable to watch. So here's to more good basketball. Is there anything you want people to know about, or, or people say you don't have social media? But if there's anything you would like to plug, this is your time. I wish I had the thing finished to plug, but it's just take like um, John Davenport, my buddy, my artist friend. I'm working on a thing with him for over a year now, and this is not me burying him because he's the best person in the world. But he's a busy, busy, busy guy, and I am not a high-profile client. Uh, but we've had a book in the works for some time, um, oh. and it just. The writing is done, we're just illustrating it. Um, we got scooped in the meantime. There's a book that's out by this, uh, I read it, it was wonderful. It's called S's for Suplex, it's for kids. Uh, and it's like co-signed by a bunch of loved, beloved indie wrestlers. And it's an amazing book. 
Um, that's basically the thing that I was going to do before it came out. I'm still going to do it. Uh, it's just not done yet. Uh, but it's going to get done and I'm going to release it. And it's going to be wonderful. So I'll catch you guys in 2023. The book will be out by then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always room for more books about wrestling for children. Always room True for facts. more. Yeah. True and like, so I'll, I'll put over the idea of like, that's just what I wanted to have out there. And SS for Suplex, you guys can go look at that one for now. Is it a way for people to engage their small children with wrestling without worrying about them pile driving each other? And that's just that's really <laughs> what my project is about. And that's what that book is. And yeah, I'd like more of that stuff too. Other than that, uh, hooray for timing <laughs> in the world. And whatever whatever author writer is getting the, the credit for my uh, my living biography, I hope it's a prominent one because you can't script stuff like that literally a week after notice. And, it's Sharmel. It's Sha- It's your Sharmic. Yeah. Your Sharmel karma. It's your yeah. Instant Sharma's gonna get you. <laughs> I just, I, I just guess. I feel like the wrestling gods, JBL himself. Maybe it was Big Johnny. I did manage to get on the carpet called Big Johnny before everything went down. That was fun. I guess if oh. I couldn't work at WWE Studios, then nobody could. <laughs> <laughs> That's an attitude I can get behind, and I, I appreciate it. Right. I, I took, I took my my belt and I went home. <laughs> That's right. Beautiful. <laughs> Well, if you want more of Hal, you know where to go. Welcome to nightvale.com. You can still buy a streaming version of our latest live show, which is well worth your time. And on Saturday, June 12th, Thrilling Adventure Hour is back with a show and tell where we are all, all of us work juice players are going to be sharing embarrassing and early clips of our work. And for me, all I'll say about it is it is my origin story and it is well worth the time to show up. That is at houseseats.live. Check that out, and I'm at Hell Lublin everywhere else you want to be. Lindsay? Uh, I would like to say totally let your kids suplex each other. I mean, it's the only <laughs> way they'll learn. Uh, so I'm just going to throw that out there. It makes no odds to me. I don't have kids. Um, books. I got books, though. I do have books. You can check those out. Um, and I'm on social media at Lindsay Kelk, uh, where I can tell you about said books if you would like to know more. So come say hi. All right. Our producer is the flat top big back body drop, Julian Burrell. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. Links to all of those are in our show notes. If you love what we do, as always, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. Thank you so much to the Max Fun members who make this show possible. And if you want to join them, remember at any time, you can go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join, or you can wait for the Max Fun Drive. That's up to you. But support us a different way by getting our t-shirt and wearing it on your back. That is without a season. It is always applicable. We'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.